National Guard leadership says it expects tens of thousands of guardsmen will be called up to handle coronavirus. And the Air Force is postponing weapons testing and putting pilots in virtual bubbles. Federal News Network's Scott Malcioni has the latest on COVID-19 military developments. And Scott, let's start with the National Guard. Uh, apparently a lot of governors are liking the idea of them helping. That's right, they are. And at this point, there's, a, well, as of Thursday, last Thursday, General Joseph Lingell, who's the chief of the National Guard Bureau, said there were 2,050 National Guard members working in 27 states. At that point, he said by last weekend, he expected that number to double. So it's probably much higher at this point. Uh, but he also said that he thinks tens of thousands are going to be uh, brought up to help with this this issue and what they're doing is they're they're really doing everything they're helping to clean public buildings they're providing assistance to medical officials ones with the medical uh, backgrounds they're also providing drive-through testing they're bringing school lunches to community centers uh, everything you can really think of are what these national guardsmen are doing and you know they're out there uh, you know and and they can even provide uh, civil assistance to uh, police forces and, and fire forces and things like that if they need to do that as well once things are getting a little uh, shorthanded. And I guess we should point out that this is the National Guard, which means it's people doing their daily jobs and living their regular lives until such time as their nation calls them up. Right. And and the National Guard is 450,000 people. So, you know, they can bring in some people for a short period of time, maybe two weeks, and then have them go back out. And they work with the businesses in order to make sure that they're not overstepping too many boundaries and, and uh, you know, bringing them up to active duty in a way that that works with their schedule. Obviously, this is a very different time for the nation and for the world. So we'll see how they end up using this. But they have a deep, deep bench that they can call on in order to get these missions done without putting too much stress on the overall force. And a member, I guess, could be called up and end up not very far from home. That's right. So, you know, there's an option to federalize the National Guard, and that's something that maybe they might consider farther on down the road. And But that's usually used for wartime when you need to bring a lot of people uh, up at once, you know, to, to fight a common enemy. Now, while this is a common enemy at the of, of coronavirus, what they're doing is they're hoping that the governors can individualize the response in each state. And they don't want to take that away by uh, federalizing this issue. So, you know, each governor will be able to say, all right, well, we have a, a lot of issues in, you know, the Puget Sound for Washington. So let's send people over there. And, you know, we need help with people who, you know, are in the oyster industry or something like that, right? Well, you know, that's something that's very Washington state and they'll stay with Washington state instead of having to send someone from Nebraska all the way to Washington state to deal with something they don't know anything about. So uh, General Lingell said that he thought federalizing was probably not the way to go. Um, but the National Guard Association of the United States says that they would like the federal government and Congress to put National Guardsmen on Title 32. What that status does is it gives them full-time status so they can start accruing uh, time toward their GI Bill, toward sure. retirement, and gives them a lot better, uh, you know, benefits than if they were just on, you know, regular uh, National Guard duty. That's right. He went through that with me on this very show, actually, and that's something they're trying to get Congress to do. This was before the coronavirus even hit. And we're speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni, and talk about the Air Force postponing its advanced battle management system test, and what will this all mean? Right. Well, the advanced battle management system is a 
conglomeration of 28 systems is a joint program and what it's supposed to do is work like the internet of things it's supposed to bring together everything you can possibly think of to create this sort of um you know joint awareness of the battlefield in the sense that you can uh be looking at aerial views you can be hearing you know real-time data all that kind of stuff at once and that'll be working with airplanes tanks humans every everyone that that needs to be in the loop will be in the loop including uh, the AI. Now, this test was originally scheduled for April, and it was going to be showing it off to the Joint Chiefs. So, some pretty big uh, audience members there uh, looking at uh, at this this test. They were trying to test it every four months. The last one was in December. Uh, this is going to be pushed off until June. Now, uh, their goal is to have sixty percent of everything working. And uh, General Goldfein, who's the chief of staff of the Air Force, said that he was really wants to keep this thing going because industry is relying on it. It's something that they're going to need for the future of battle. Um, you know, the last time that they did this, this test, they said that they, they, things worked a little bit too well. They, they wanted to stretch themselves a little farther and what they're going to do is, is do that uh, with this next one, but they're also going to, to kind of push the, uh, the field goal post a little farther out so that they can uh, work on the technology and they have a little more time to work on that technology and now push that goal farther so that 60% will work. Got it. So that's kind of a coronavirus response too, I guess. It is. I mean, you know, they need to not have people together. I mean, having all the Joint Chiefs sitting together watching a battle management test happen, probably not the definition of social distancing. So, you know, they're keeping airmen safe by doing that and keeping the Joint Chiefs, who are uh, pretty important people from what I hear, uh, in, uh, you know, distant well, places, they think distant so. bubbles. <laughs> Well, I guess it makes sense. I mean, it's one thing to destroy the economy with coronavirus, but you also don't want to destroy military readiness. And what about the handling of pilots, Scott, in all of this while they worry about people being too close together? Yeah, so the Air Force has a pretty uh, interesting job when it comes to coronavirus. They're bringing together a lot of testing and they're delivering testing. They recently, uh, the Air National Guard and the Air Force, brought half a million testing kits from Italy to Memphis, Tennessee. So, you know, they want to keep their pilots very healthy, obviously, because they're going to need to keep uh, the supply chains open around the United States. Uh, as you know, and as many of our listeners know, the service is already going through a pilot shortage. They're about 2,000 pilots down. Um, so these guys need to be protected. They're keeping them in a bubble. They're keeping them uh, within the social distancing parameters. They're doing regular screening temperature checks. Um, and and what, one thing I found really interesting is General Goldfein said that they consider these aircraft a clean environment. So the longer they're in the aircraft, it's kind of better for them because they're not really in a concerning area. What they're concerned about is when they leave that environment, they go to their rooms, they go to the mess hall, and then they're leaving that bubble where they can keep the uh, things, you know, keep things under control. So that's something that is uh, concerning for them, keeping the pilots safe. Right now, the Air Force, uh, as of last week, had seven active duty coronavirus cases. Uh, I'm sure that will increase as you know the testing starts to ramp up a little bit more. And do we know anything about the severity of those cases or whether the people recover? Uh, we don't know too much. We know that there's been a couple of active duty military uh, members who have been hospitalized, probably about two or three, and one of them has recovered. Uh, but, you know, that will probably, as you know, continue to increase. Right now, there's a, as of last Friday, there were about a little more than 60 active duty members that were um, diagnosed at this point throughout the whole joint 
military. So, um, you know, and then once you look at civilian military dependents and contractors, that number goes even higher. And, uh, you know, this is as General Paul Friedrichs, who's the Joint Staff Surgeon, uh, said this is something that's going to continue to increase. One thing that's actually a little concerning for the military is that there's a report that came out that said, you know, a large number of young people are getting sicker than for, than originally imagined. And that will kind of have to push against the military's idea that there was a, you know, that there would be a minimal impact on their uh, their people because they're young and healthy. And this is showing to not necessarily be the case that even if you are young and healthy, you can get fairly sick. Federal News Network, Scott Massioni, thanks so much. Thank you. Check out his coverage and all of our virus coverage at federalnewsnetwork.com. Stay up to date on your agency's latest responses to coronavirus. Visit our special resource page at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.